0: What's up, the ER, Nurse Uncensored, it's Mike, episode three. Hope everything's going well for everybody. Today is the lost art of the primary care, which then leads to all kinds of problems in the ER and just in our healthcare system in general. So let's let's chat about that. I'm just going to start with a scenario, which I think is a very common scenario just in the world. Uh, let's just say you're 49 years old and you uh, you know, are a functional adult and take care of yourself, you know, no comorbidities, pretty healthy, you know, as best you can. And let's say you have stomach pain for like three or four days and you know, because you're educated, you know, I don't feel like this is an emergency, but I just can't kick whatever this thing is. And I get these waves of nausea and have these kind of sharp pains and, Tickets some medicines not helping. Let me call my doctor. Now, know this for a fact. <laughs> Don't let anyone try to, try to drive you off of this fact. Primary doctors is a, is a dying art. We're losing them like hand over fist. It is, they are disintegrating into the earth. The old ones are either dying off or selling their practices, retiring, whatever it is. And the ones that are still existing are in a prime position. They have all the leverage right now to take and pick and choose and cherry pick the patients that they want. Best insurance, um, don't treat them like shit, don't abuse them, and are beneficial to them because they have a lot of comorbidities, like I said, but they're good patients and they come in when they say they're going to come in. They don't cancel on their appointments, so they don't lose that money. All the things that make a patient beneficial to them financially, they get to pick and choose now because the demand for primary is so high. Those patients get in, they set their appointments, and they just ride those people into the fucking sunset. So I have a primary care that I see you know once every, I don't know, 12 months, 18 months, do some blood work, get my cholesterol medication, make sure I'm good, and stick a finger in my asshole, and see you later. So let's say you call your primary care and say, hey, you know, I've had these stomach pains for like five or six days. I'm getting a little nervous about it. Number one, good luck even being able to schedule an appointment. Because most likely, if you say anything with pain and it involves anywhere between your waist and your shoulders, (laughs) anywhere in this general area, most of these people who answer the phone and or know how things work and know about liability, And malpractice insurance and lawyers in general are going to tell you, uh, you know, you should probably go to the emergency room to be evaluated. You should go to the ER. Uh, Okay, but I just want to get an appointment. Yeah, but, you know, if something happens... and And they explain the worst possible scenario and tell you, you should go somewhere else because we can't help you right now. And there's a portion of what they're saying is true because, one... They don't have a CT scanner likely in their building that they can just scan you real fast or an in-house lab where they can run labs and get you out of there and see, oh, your pace is elevated or this is whatever. They they don't have that ability. So they're going to say, well, you can either go to the emergency room or I can set you up an appointment in, I don't know, three weeks from now. So now your six days of abdominal pain, they want you to wait an additional 21 days to see if that will, you know, knock it out so you're obviously going to be like, well, I guess I'll just go to the primary, to, to, a, to an ER or to a walk-in clinic or urgent care. Here's the issue, though. So let's just say, okay, I'll make the appointment maybe just to follow up because you're intelligent. That's the best way to handle it. To so you set your appointment, now you're at the mercy of whoever you walk into. And you don't know what shitbag doctor you're going to experience or have to encounter when you go to an urgent care or to a freestanding emergency room or even to the hospital hospital. You don't know. This is not someone who knows you. And there's a very good likelihood that they don't give a fuck about you except for the fact that they don't want to get sued by missing something that you come in for. So let's just say this person goes, I'm going to go to an urgent care and say, my belly hurts. You want to hear about some fucking MTALA violations? Uh, yeah, this happens every fucking day. I work at a freestanding ER where EMTALA, you know, is a huge deal. We get so many people who come from urgent cares, like walk-in clinics, where people will come out from the back hearing what you're coming in for and go, oh yeah, we don't do that, you should go to an ER. Now, for people who don't know what MTALA is, you should look it up. But basically, it says that if you walk into a medical facility and you request to be seen, you have to be seen. We cannot turn you away. And urgent cares in some of these walk-in clinics think they're immune, and they're not. You have to check them in and tell them, you know, we can evaluate you, but we don't have some of the tests that you may need, so we recommend that we transfer you or you offer all the services that you can. You can't just walk in the fucking lobby and go, hey, uh, fuck off, we don't do what you need, so get the fuck out of here. Which is what they basically do sometimes. It's nuts, and they send them to the emergency room, and then now we have to, you know, deal with them or treat them, which is fine. But let's just say that you're this forty nine year old person from our scenario, and you go to the urgent care, and they tell you to fuck off, um, or they do take you in and go, well, we can't do a CT scan, we can't do this, we can't do that. So now you got a bill from your from your urgent care. So I'm not sure how much you're going to pay for that out of pocket. But now you're gonna to have to go unresolved, and now you're gonna to go to an emergency room, which is gonna be a freestanding ER, or one that's attached to a hospital, whole hospital. This is not cheap. I'm sorry, ER visits typically start between two to $4,000 just to walk in the fucking door. Now you may have a certain copay, maybe 80 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever it is, but this is the highest level of care. Now God forbid you go to a freestanding emergency room, and you have, I don't know, anything wrong, diverticulitis, or whatever it may be, now they're going to have to transfer you to the bigger hospital, to the actual hospital, and guess what? they got to do that by ambulance, (laughs) and now you're admitted. Now we're looking, and this is all going to be dependent upon the physician, because if the physician says, I recommend you be admitted, which a lot of these people do, because that's what these freestanding ERs' function is, is to be a feeder to the main hospital. They want to admit you if they can, obviously for financial reasons, so if you, if they say, oh, we want to admit you for observation, they may not have the strongest case in the world, but they're always going to err on the side of quote-unquote safety, but it's more like quote-unquote fucking dollar signs, and they're going to say, hey, you should go, to the, you, we should admit you, and you're going to be like, "Um, do I really need to be admitted? Is it 100% necessary? Because I do have a life, and if it's, I mean, if it's life-threatening or I need surgery, I totally understand, but Well, it's just because of this, so we want to give you IV antibiotics, and whatever that song and dance they put on is. Now, if you say no, now it's shown in your medical record that you declined to be admitted. You know, you you signed out against medical advice to be admitted. Now, did you refuse care? Some would say yes, some would say no, but you're basically saying like, yeah, you treated me, and I appreciate it, but I just don't want to be admitted. This could look poorly against your insurance. So once again, you <laughs> think about how this process works. You could have went to your primary care doctor and had a lot of this taken care of. They could have, you know, maybe done a direct admit if it was a real problem or whatever. We're not, we're way past that. <clears throat> so now you're on ER, stomach pain. I got diverticulitis, but I feel okay. Can I get some meds? I want to be admitted. Don't be admitted. We're talking an urgent care visit and an ER visit, now a declined admission. Once again, these doctors don't know you. They don't give a fuck. You're just another patient and they're going to see 20 more or 50 more that day. Decide what you're going to do. This is where we're at. And now, let's just, Then this is by the way, this is the intelligent person who's trying to do the right thing, but the system is working against you. Now let's pretend you're fucking retarded, okay? I know it's going to be difficult, but pretend you're fucking retarded and you don't have a primary care and you don't have insurance. And there are some people who are not retarded who don't have insurance, not their fault. But there's a certain point where, you know, you got to take care of yourself. You're 53. You haven't been to a doctor in 10 years. This is on you, okay? So wake the fuck up. Or this is just Darwin's way of taking out the trash. I don't know. But... The primary care now, and this is when Obama, and I'm not playing politics here, but he said this quote probably I don't know, eight to ten years ago. He goes, the ER, the emergency room, is should be just as good as primary care for anyone who needs it. And as soon as everyone heard that, every fucking ER nurse is like, fuck you, bro. <laughs> really? You're going to do this to us right now? Because everyone who heard that said, oh, I can just go to the ER and get whatever I want. And because of the way the system is built, and because now it's more customer service and a service industry more than actual emergency medical care, now we have to bend over and take in the ass. All these people go, oh yeah, I need a med refill, or oh, um, yeah, uh, I've had this arm issue for like nine months. It doesn't matter. Now it's full on, we gotta do the full workup for everybody. And now the follow-up is going to be, okay, now you need to go to this clinic or you need to go to your primary care. They don't have fucking primary care. We are the primary care now for these people. Which fucking sucks because just look at, the, look at what we're called. Emergency medicine. ER. <laughs> emergency. Emergency. Emergency room. What walks in the door a lot of times is Yeah, I called my doctor and said that um, I've had this, um, my knee has been swollen for like two weeks and he can't see me for like a month, but man, I just can't walk on it. And who knows? Maybe they have fucking gout or they have an injury or who the fuck knows. But now they're, talk about imtala. we can't turn them away. Your doctor's office can turn you away. Some of these walk-in clinics think they can tell you to fuck off and they do. But this is the last line of defense. The ER can be like, can't be like, hey, get fucked, leave, get in your car and get out. We, we don't have that. We try in so many subtle ways, but a lot of times it doesn't work. But here we are, taking care of you, doing the thing that you're wanting us to do because we don't have a choice. Because if we say no or what the fuck are you doing here with your bullshit, you're gonna tattle on us to our to either Google. Or to a supervisor, or to whoever will listen, and now we're gonna we're in fear for our jobs. It's nuts. So this is the dying art of the primary care. Actually, it's gonna be more of a transfer of a power because the primary care is gonna go from a primary doctor. Hey, yeah, I see Doctor Smith. He's a great guy. I've known him for a long time. He took care of my kids. He's gonna take care of their kids. And but no, it doesn't happen anymore. The ER is going to play a massive role in this from here on out. And it's not effective. It's not. Because you you can even go to the same ER. And by the way, we get it all the time. People come in once a month. You're going to get a different doctor, different nurses, different everything. We have this one particular patient who comes into one of the ERs I work in literally once a month. He is a smoker. We have watched him smoke cigarettes in the, in the front of the ER, come inside. He goes, I want my asthma medicine. And he always waits till he runs out of his medicine. And he doesn't take it for like three days. And he starts to get really wheezy. And he smokes a cigarette. And he comes inside. And he requests IV steroids and two breathing treatments. And then all his new prescriptions. And then he leaves. And we have these free clinics. We've always given him, hey man, you got to check this out. Hey, you got to go here. Hey, you got to get this checked out and you got to follow up with this. Prim-. No, he doesn't do any of it because this is easier. Why would he go through the hassle of having to call this office and get, tra- get, get drive all the way over there and set up an appointment and wait in the lobby and then he doesn't want to do that. It's easier just walk in here and smoke my stove and walk in, grab my stuff and leave. He's in and out in an hour and a half. <laughs> what the fuck? No insurance and doesn't give a fuck. That by the way, that's like the ultimate now. If you really want to get away with murder, don't give a fuck, don't have insurance and have zero regard for any kind of debt or any kind of credit that you may ever need. And there's a huge population of those people. That gene pool is massive and growing. Don't you worry. There's plenty of them out there. So what do we do? So many people come to us literally with all their kids. We have them walk in all the time. Oh, we're all checking in. All of you? There's five of you here. Yeah, well, uh, she's got um, a fever, and he has a cut on his leg, and she was thrown up yesterday. It's this whole thing. And it's all a mask. It's all just a fucking ruse just to get these kids, you know, either swabbed for flu or COVID or, but it's easier to do this. It's easy than set up with a pediatrician for your five kids. They don't have the means. (laughs) What what are they going to do? So part of this is yes, you now have a way to get taken care of, quote unquote, taken care of. But this is going to wear very, very thin. Your primary care doesn't exist. It's going away. Two is the ER is doing what they can. But remember, think about the words ER. Thank God there are still some practitioners out there who go, you come in for this. This is not life-threatening. We determine what is life-threatening and what is not. What you have is not life-threatening. We treat and we diagnose and we do you know, these different... Things to make sure that you're not going to die. These different diagnostic tests. Blood work, CT scan. If you're not, then okay, you can go now. You're discharged. And we have to fight so much with some of these people to be like, you can't stay here. You can't keep coming back here. But they don't give a fuck. It's the ultimate prize. I don't give a shit. But that's going to wear very thin for us. And then that is translates into, well, now... I don't have a primary care and the ER treats me like shit. What do I do now? Here's the, here's the secret. You want to hear the secret? Here's the secret. The American healthcare system doesn't give a fuck. You are now on the precipice of being completely left behind. Like off the grid, (laughs) skip off the atmosphere. No one gives a shit. You're out. And you're going to get frustrated, and you're just not going to take care of yourself. Talk about the ultimate easy. Don't give a fuck, and don't care about yourself. (laughs) And yes, a lot of those. And that population grows every single day. And then they come in, and they're already way too sick, and they're already way too close to death, and then that's it. So tier one, no primary care. Okay, someone cares about you. Okay, Mas- uh, we're going to talk about Maslow's hierarchy here a lot. Look it up if you don't know what that is. Okay, primary care cares about you. Well, first of all, you have to care about yourself. That's number one. Number two, okay, primary care is now invested in you. They're going to care about you. They're going to call you. They're going to set your appointments, and they're going to do your medication refills and all this other shit. Okay, you lose that. Okay, we lost a tear. Okay, there's some point along the way you're going to start caring about yourself, but now you're going to start working on anyone who will take you. Whether it be a whether it be a walk-in clinic, an urgent care, and then it goes down to the ER, because the ER has no choice. And then once you lose control of that, then it's all on you. What are you going to do? Can you get yourself back to the top and get a primary care? Can you find a job that's going to be able to give you insurance? Does the American healthcare system even give a fuck about what you need or want? Probably not. Because if you're already down to this ER level, you're, you're already on the brink. You're standing on the ledge of being completely wiped out of medical care in this country. And I don't even know whose fault it is. Is it yours? Is it the system's? Is it mine? Is it our doctor's? Is it every doctor? Is it the president? Is it the fucking... Who the fuck knows? No one knows. It's so beyond fucked. And so many of you are going to be left behind. If you do not keep up with the shit, you are going to die. And it's preventative. But no one gives a shit. The pharmaceutical industry? Probably. (laughs) You know? The CDC, the fucking FDA, the FBI, the CIA, who the fuck knows? Probably are all in on it. But as of right now, everyone's just slipping and sliding down to insignificance. No one is going to care. It's already happening. It sucks. It's sad. My mother does not have health insurance. She works. Her husband works. No health care. They're in their 60s. My wife's mother, she works. She has health care. But she, you know, doesn't need a lot, thank God. But when she does, it's weeks, weeks, weeks to get anything done. What are we supposed to do? But this is the problem. There's, you're being left behind. You're going to be left behind. Eventually. <laughs> Whether it become with age, or circumstance, or money, or debt... Or whatever it is, at some point, most everyone will be left behind by the healthcare system of this country, unless you have money, or unless you have really good insurance. Do you want to hear a little a little secret? I used to work at a cardiac cath lab, where we would put stents in people's hearts. Someone has a heart attack. Someone has a blockage. You put a stent in. At the end of the procedure, if this is a first time stent for someone, whether they're having a heart attack. Or we just happen to find it when we're doing something else. At the end of the procedure, there are cardiologists who will ask what insurance do they have, if any. If they have insurance, they will give them a blood thinner that every person who has a stent needs to be on for at least a year. They will, If they have insurance, they will make sure they're on the most expensive blood thinner that's available. Or someone they're in the pocket of. If they don't have insurance, they'll give them the cheap shit that they can get over the counter for 50 bucks a month. It happens. Oh, Stenson. Okay, cool. Uh, what anticoagulant do you want them to be on? Oh, uh, what insurance do they have? Um, they don't have insurance. Oh, just put them on Plavix or put them on whatever. Oh, they have a United or their full coverage or their Medicaid or whatever it is they go. Oh, put them on Berlinta. Put them, whatever the, the fucking juice of the, of the month is, that's what they're going to go on. It happens everywhere, every single day. Do not let anyone make you believe otherwise. It is politics and greed. It is it is one hundred percent political, and it's one hundred percent about money and optics. How does it look to the healthcare system, or the hospital system, or the doctor? That's all. That's all. That's all it is. It's all a fucking illusion can they get sued for it and can they get paid and can they continue to get their jobs? I had a, a guy who came in to the ER, seemed like a reasonable and nice enough guy. And he asked for help for psychiatric help and for detox because he was having trouble with alcohol. Did not seem like a total shit bag, was not homeless and we were we were at a freestanding emergency room and this is this is the policy in the state of florida that i'm in we asked him do you have any desire to hurt yourself or anyone else no i just want detox okay are you currently intoxicated no i am not i'm actually having trouble because i'm afraid i'm gonna withdraw our policy in this particular hospital system i work in is we cannot help him We have a pamphlet and three phone numbers that we give him and hand it to him and discharge him. How fucking pathetic is that? How pathetic? We basically told him, unless you want to kill yourself or kill someone else, we can't do anything for you. Or unless the police want to put a Marchman Act on you. You're asking for help and we cannot give it because it's not profitable. We have nowhere to transfer you. These, these type places don't exist. How fucking pathetic. And this is the system that is in such desperate need of a revamp. In such desperate, desperate need of a total overhaul. And it's never, ever, ever going to happen. Sorry to tell you that. I'll give you more insight as we go. I will tell you more. I want you to share more. Tell me, help me help you. Um, All right, I think that's it. Episode three, ER Yarners Uncensored. This is gonna be happening a lot. By the way, the first two episodes, uh, pretty decent numbers. So thank you to those who are listening and those who are sharing. A lot more to come. All right, we'll talk soon.